Hello, Central fans. I'm Trevor Castle. Last month, the Central College community lost one of the most prominent figures in the history of the institution as former President Dr. Ken Weller passed away at the age of 96. While Dr. Weller had an influence over so many areas of the college, this is a sports podcast, so our story today will focus on his impact on the athletic programs at Central. And that story includes three interconnected pieces. His leadership as the author of the original Division III philosophy, his championing of women's athletics, and his love of the Dutch. Ken and Shirley Weller moved their family to Pella in the fall of 1969 to become Central's president. At that time, the NCAA was split into two divisions, the university division for larger schools and the college division for smaller schools who lacked the resources of those major athletic programs across the country. In 1973, the college division was split, resulting in the division alignment that still stands to this day, Division I, Division II, and Division III. Weller was tasked with writing the document that would guide Division III, and in an interview with Central Sports Information Director Larry Hopple just before his 90th birthday, he recalled the driving force behind his philosophy. Big-time programs do have an objective, and their objective is a legitimate one in serving society, serving the people of Iowa or Michigan. But uh, in a smaller college, it's quite the opposite. The decisions are made based upon the supremacy of the individual participant rather than the uh, spectator putting on a good show. I think it is a mistake to regard big-time programs strictly as money-making. I think that they, it is really a response to what the public wants. With Division III's focus on the participant, Weller was passionate that academic and athletic pursuits didn't need to come at the expense of each other, but rather they were complementary. Jan Freed was a student-athlete at Central in the mid-70s, then returned for a 30-year career as a faculty member in the early 80s. She says that Dr. Weller's vision shaped the culture of the college. I remember Ken talking a lot about the student-athlete. You know, that they're students first and then they're athletes. And at, at a place like Central, you can be both. You can excel in both. And you don't have to, you know, forfeit anything on about campus life to be in sports. Or that sports isn't going to hurt your grades or, you know, your academics. He always spoke of student-athlete. You know, your student and then Coach Skipper, you know, made that into his mantra. So, you know, your students first and then your athletes. And we want to help you succeed in both. Dr. David Rowe, Central's most recent past president, who served from 1998 to 2010, said that the course Dr. Weller set for Central and Division III all those years ago held true during his presidency and still holds true today. What happens in the gym, uh, on the wrestling mat, whatever it is, is challenging physically and mentally and emotionally. And overcoming those challenges, there are similar challenges in the classroom. And practice and, and perfection in one can lead to practice and perfection in the other. And you see the data are pretty overwhelming. The youngsters who do participate in athletics generally perform better in, in academics than a cohort that, of similar talent that does not. Also, students who are exposed to uh, music and, and the arts perform better. 
because the human psyche brain is a very complex thing. And the more environments that it has to deal with, the richer experiences it brings with them into other environments. So I think it gives them more flexibility when there's trouble in academics. They've learned things on the sporting fields that helps them overcome those troubles. Because to learning a new physical skill or to correct a physical problem, the, the mind has to do a lot of the same things that you have to do to correct an issue in the classroom. And people like Alicia O'Brien, Central's head female athletic administrator, are still carrying out Dr. Weller's vision. I enjoy, even now, my job as working with males, females as part of their growth as people. And I think that Division Three really highlights the ability to be everything, to be a student, to be an athlete, to be a good citizen, to be um, grow, you know, in your faith, grow in whatever you feel in the college environment. And I think Division Three allows you to do that. Um, you're not tied strictly to just one thing, which I think happens a lot at the Division One level, especially if you're on scholarship. But I just look at Division Three. It, it has been part of my life forever. And I played in it. I loved the philosophy then. And coaching at a bigger school, state school, and then at a private school, I think it's um, really important to stay with that philosophy of Division Three. But when Division Three was created, NCAA sports were just for men. The first championship offered by the NCAA in women's sports wouldn't be until 1981. More on that later, as Weller was a driving force. In his first few years as central president, the Dutch didn't offer women's sports. Then Gary Boink, a 1959 central grad who was an exercise science faculty member, put a bug in Weller's ear. I decided to go back to graduate school at the University of Iowa and work towards a doctorate. Uh, so I left Central. They gave me a sabbatical and uh, went to the University of Iowa. And part of my requirements uh, was working in the women's PE department at the U of Iowa. And at that time, they were separate. So the, the interesting thing is I came into contact with a handful of women who were really active in not only women's movements, but women's sports movements nationally. And I really got excited about that. So when my sabbatical was up, came back to Central, I went into Ken and had a conversation with him about starting our own program. At that point, Central did not have a women's program. There was, there was a recreational program, kind of a hit and miss program with uh, the women could take part in, and they were mostly PE majors, and it was like maybe five games in a year, in a, and I think a handful, just a few sports, basketball, volleyball, and I think maybe one other, I'm not sure. And, and there was competition at a really low level. Coaching was not a big thing in that uh, time. So when Dr. Weller and I had the conversation, to summarize, it was basically like, Dr. Weller, we have to start a women's program. We're behind the curve if we don't. Uh, we're at a point where we can get in early enough that uh, we can get a program started and it can blossom into something. And he said, you're right, and you're going to lead it. <laughs> if you didn't live through it, and I didn't, you might not fully understand how few opportunities were available for females in sports in the 1970s. O'Brien was a middle schooler and high schooler in Connecticut at that time. 
I can remember high school games where we, in basketball, couldn't play in the evening because they didn't think the females, they had to play three o'clock after school was an interesting one. We had a girls' gym and a boys' gym, and the girls' gym had no bleachers for fans. Softball-wise, we wore hand-me-down baseball uniforms my first year as a freshman in high school. And, and I think as a player going through it, to know that you always were bumped out of practice because either the boys' basketball team or football had to have practice, and they would just cancel the girls' practice. It was never seen as an opportunity for girls to continue on in college. So I can't say that in high school there was anything about, hey, you have this opportunity to go on to college and play in sports. So it really wasn't a thought in my mind in high school. Iowa girls' sports were ahead of the national curve at the time, but when Jan Freed arrived on campus at Central to play on the first Dutch softball team in 1973-74, she says that it wasn't a very competitive environment. I'm from close to Fort Dodge a little town. And, you know, the the state tournaments are often held in Fort Dodge. You know, so I was used to that kind of competitive environment. And then I joined the college team. You know, first of all, I was worried I was even going to make it, you know, make the team. And let's just say that most of the women on the team, when I was a freshman, some of them hadn't even played before. It was more like intramurals, you know. (laughs) So, you know, believe me, women's sports have definitely evolved. Boink was the coach of that first Dutch softball team, as well as the first Dutch women's basketball team the season before. He says that Weller was absolutely committed to getting women's sports on an equal footing with men, but they both knew it was going to take a little bit of time. He couldn't do much as far as budget was concerned the first year because the budget actually was set. And so we... Our first years, we were playing in T-shirts and jeans and softball. And uh, fortunately, the women's recreation program had acquired a set of basketball uniforms. And so we did have the first year our basketball and then the volleyball team used the same uniform. But it was, it was, uh, it was quite a time. Dr. Weller stayed on top of that whole idea of of an equitable and comparable women's program. And I must add, uh, Ron Skipper was was instrumental in that as well. And he could have made it very difficult if he didn't think that the women's program was an important, necessary thing, uh, being the athletic director and his position in the college. But he supported it as well, and he and Ken together managed to uh, get it going financially and in in the sense of the total college. While Central was getting its women's programs off the ground, Title IX was in the national spotlight. If you watched any of the NCAA basketball tournaments last month, you saw promos celebrating the 50th anniversary of Title IX. While technically true, it's a little misleading. Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972 was signed by Richard Nixon, but it wasn't until 1975 that the final version, signed by Gerald Ford, included regulations that required equality in athletics. Boeing says that Central was well on its way by the time that became law. The Title IX thing was not yet in place, so I was always a bit proud of our program for the reason we started it without Title IX. And uh, so Title IX was welcomed, but it wasn't something we needed at Central to, to see the program go. 
So those were those were interesting years. I think back to them and uh, a relationship of athletics and 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 women at that time was uh, we were on the 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 frontier without a doubt. And and Dr. Weller was so supportive of that whole process that went on there. Even with that head start at Central, Boeing says it still wasn't quite what the men had because the NCAA hadn't yet brought women's sports under its championship umbrella. When we started the the women's program, the NC2A did not have a Division Three championship for women. So we were involved with the AIAW. We were kind of separate from the NC2A. So one of the things that he had a lot to do with was instituting championships for women at the Division Three level. And as soon as that came out, the AIW essentially collapsed. Like he had done in the early 70s with the Division Three philosophy, Weller was heavily involved with NCAA legislation for women's championships, serving on another committee in the late 70s. Very strong and able people, women, were fighting for representation on committees. Well, at one point, there was a real issue on what, how much involvement should women have? If there is as many women as men in our society, that there ought to be just as many women on these committees as men. Well, the, a few major football schools were concerned about the amount of budget involved with that. So uh, I actually, uh, one night, wrote a proposal that would say that women would be represented on all of the committees of the NCAA based on the amount of participation of women in these programs. So that it was a way to have a fair and equitable allocation at the time without having to have hundreds of people on committees and and that was passed and that that became the, the basis for the change. NCAA Women's Championships were staged for the first time in the 1981-82 school year. Fittingly, with Weller's fingerprints all over both the Division III philosophy and the inclusion of women, the Dutch won the first-ever NCAA Women's Team Championship offered at any level when they captured the 1981 Division III Women's Cross-Country Championship. Many of those same athletes helped Central win the 1982 Women's Track and Field National Championship as well. All told, the Dutch have won 11 NCAA Team National Championships. Ten of them are in women's sports. The next one came in softball, Central's most prominent female sport. Hall of Fame coach George Wares was brought into the fold by Dr. Weller and Ron Skipper in the fall of 1984. I remember the breakfast when I got a call uh, when I was the Pella High boys coach and teaching and was going to coach Pella High in the summer. And he and Skip said, hey, can we have breakfast? And I'm sure, I, I didn't know for sure what it was going to be about. And, said, uh, Coach Boink uh, wants to stick with basketball. He can't do, he doesn't feel like he wants to put in the time for both sports anymore. You want to coach our softball team. And he, he saw something that he thought could work and believed in it and uh, just never, ever, ever wavered in his desire to watch us play and the support that he gave us and, and all the other programs. I think he's probably went to every national championship that we've won or seen it or been a part of it. And, you know, even in the latter years uh, when he was, you know, obviously he and Shirley getting older, 
one of the two, I think it was Shirley, didn't want to fly, so they'd take a train to Arizona, you know. And, and I can remember Shirley sitting there reading a newspaper. She loved softball, but she didn't really love softball. You know, she loved the people. And so we had a, a significant win one year, and Shirley's over in the shade reading, and I walk by, and Shirley says, hey, George, I think we won, right? I said, yeah. He said, because I thought so, because Ken seemed really happy, and I wanted to know what kind of mood we were going to have going back to the hotel. And it's just all sorts of stories like that. That That's just, uh, and it's not just Ken, you know. You know, Shirley, I can't even imagine what she's going through. You know, they've been together forever. And, you know, when you think of Ken Weller, you, you don't think of Ken Weller without Shirley Weller. And they were just so much a part of our softball family. In Ware's second year as coach in 1986, the Dutch finished as NCAA runner-up. Two years later, they won the first of the program's four national championships. Ware says that Weller, the Dutch fanatic, was there to enjoy it. Long story short, we win it on a walk-off, and we're jumping up and down, obviously. And it's not just a walk-off. It was an obstruction call, you know, to win the game. And the next thing you know, I'm all the players are hugging each other, and I'm just breathing, you know, we got it. And I literally, I'm, I'm sure I'm exaggerating this now, but we had a portable fence so it was not very, it wasn't real tall. But I'm certain I saw Skip and Weller both jump it. And I'm trying to think now, was that real or was just my imagination? Could they really leap over that fence the way I saw it? Either way, they were sprinting in. The best two grown men that were older could sprint. And when they came up, literally, you could see the tears in both of their eyes. And, and you know, it brings, it brings tears to my eyes. But, you know, you the hugs they gave, the... I mean, you knew right then you had something really, really special in leadership. Now let's circle back to Weller's passionate pursuit of the student-athlete and the complementary role that the student and the athlete play with one another. Ware says that Weller walked the walk at that 1988 National Softball Tournament, which took place during Central's graduation. There's always a concern that your athletes, I know people don't get this, you'd rather play a national term than graduate, but graduating, I think more for the female athlete, it's, it's a pretty big thing to walk through, and they weren't going to do it, and somehow President Weller got wind of that, maybe Larry had told him, and, and so we're having breakfast um, in the hotel that we're staying at before the, one of our games, and next thing you know, he walks in with his, whatever they wear, the presidents wear, and, and he's got, for all the seniors on that particular team, he's got their... Uh, degree and he does a little speech he gives them their thing and it you know you you can't imagine how much that meant to to the women that played on that particularly the seniors that played on that team after the dutch had won that first national softball title ware says that weller used the publicity that came along with it to continue to be a champion for women's athletics we're making our way back and then we find out there's going to be a welcome home and channel five which was the sports director was john walters who now does the iowa state stuff and so we're, we're, we're driving our own vans, and I actually make a wrong turn and get lost. The other van gets there, and we're supposed to be there at a certain time. They want to do an interview with me. And John Walter says, well, we can't wait that long. And President Weller overheard it. He says, I'll do the interview. And so, all right. So before we get there, President Weller is just reliving. I mean, literally, he would not let John Walters talk. He is reliving how we won the game, talking about the obstruction, aggressive base running. You can't imagine what it was. And he and John Walters was nodding his head, you know, I'm not going to cut this guy off. But then the question that was asked by John Walters that probably most uh, signifies what Ken Weller was about and what I've been alluding to is he said, and John did not mean this in a negative way, he said, how does it feel for you as a president of a college that is a football school 
to win a team sport national championship in a, in a women's sport. And President Weller then he had looked at him and said, we're not a football school. You, the media, make us a football school by the words you say. We're a complete school. We want to win a national championship in every sport we play. And John just, okay, okay, got it. And so that, that statement right there tells you everything you need to know about how he was instrumental in making sure all, not, not just softball, not just football, all sports had a chance to be successful at Central. Weller retired as Central's president in 1990, but enjoyed three more softball national championships, a women's basketball title, and three straight volleyball natties as a fan over the next 13 years. And that's another of Weller's legacies, one of the biggest Dutch fans around. When Jeff McMartin was hired as football coach ahead of the 2004 season, one of the first people he heard from was Weller. The minute I got hired, he wanted my playbook. And he has, there's still a copy of my playbook somewhere over in the Weller family closets or someplace, uh, because he never gave it back to me. So he has a playbook and he wanted that and he wanted to know what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And I think that that's... I mean, that's great. You know, the, you can go to a lot of different colleges and universities and the president or former president of that place is probably not going to contact the head football coach and ask for a playbook. But he was interested. He cared. It mattered to him. Central College always mattered. And the athletic department always mattered. Women's sports, men's sports, they all mattered to him. And, um, and then, like I say, through his ability to connect and give feedback, uh, he was always communicating with you and, and always interested in what you had to say and did a great job of listening, but also provided you with mentoring and feedback. During McMartin's 18 seasons as coach, he says that the connection with Dr. Weller, the football fan, and Central Fanatic remained constant. He watches every game and he would write down notes and, and wanted to know certain things or wanted to tell me about certain things about our players and what he saw. And and to keep that line of communication open was really important. You know, this year was it kind of a, he was at a point where he wasn't traveling, he wasn't out and about as much. But, you know, in previous years, he would just come into my office and we'd have those same conversations. And, uh, you know, once again, to me, you know, he was one of the giants of this college, you know, maybe the, the biggest of them all. You know, as a former student and, and athlete, and that's central royalty. You know, you, you, you have a chance to have a conversation with him, um, to hear what he has to say, to tell him what you think. I mean, you jump at those opportunities. Wares has similar memories of Weller as an engaged and knowledgeable fan. He was instrumental as a president, not just for Central, but for Division Three and for female athletes, which is the no-brainer part of how much I respect what he tried to do for, for women's sports and make sure there's a, an equal opportunity uh, for the women. But, you know, the, the friend part, you know, I mean, uh, he'd come up, uh, just stop by my office after a weekend game, and he was sitting in the front, you know, watching it. And He'd come with his analysis and say, hey, you know, the running game looks like it's it's not quite what it used to be. Uh, can that other pitcher give you a few more innings because it looks like you're going to need it? And then, you know, we'd be in a regional and we'd we'd lose the first game and he'd come up and said, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to go with your ace and try to come back? Or are you going to say you got to win a couple without her to win it? And I'd say, well, I think we're going to go without her because we got it. And he's a good, good call, good call, you know. And, and he just he just loved the game and he, and he was uh he he wasn't he never seemed like a boss you know and he he just seemed like somebody that was doing everything he could to help the people that you work with and help yourself weller continued to help people at central well into his retirement years 
When O'Brien moved from Connecticut to Central nearly 20 years ago, Weller was one of the first people to welcome her. I've been pretty active in Title IX, and I knew of Dr. Weller, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And when I got here, he was one of the first people that really reached out to kind of congratulate me on, you know, coming to Pella and being part of Central College. And then he just became kind of a kindred spirit of talking about Title IX. We would share different stories, um, NCA things that came about. We would send each other emails on it. And I think he appreciated having someone specifically assigned to Title IX, senior woman administrator, and those type things. So I really felt like he was one of the first people that I really connected with when I first came to campus. O'Brien says that things have come a long way over the years in terms of equality for women, but there's still work to be done, specifically in terms of getting more females involved in coaching and administration. She says that those are things Weller still talked with her about in his later years. That's why it's really important that Dr. Weller's name continues to be connected with Title IX and Division III because we need to remember that it was not always like this. And, and I think he was the pioneer that got us to where we are today. And we, we obviously still have to continue, but he is the person that, you know, spoke up. And, and at the time, there were a lot of females speaking up, but he took it upon himself that this was a wrong that needed to be righted. And he was not afraid to speak up and talk about equality, whether it was, you know, Title IX or any other issue with equality and the whole philosophy of Division Three, which I, I think is important in the whole scheme of things besides the Title IX is that philosophy of Division Three. And I, I just think he is the person that needs to be remembered for that. And that's that sense of pride, I think, coming here to Central, knowing that he was such a big part of that. A couple of other points about Dr. Weller that are worth mentioning. Earlier, Coach Wares told the story of his recruitment as Gary Boink's replacement as softball coach. Boink feels that the ability to find and develop people was one of Weller's greatest strengths. Ken was adept at picking out quality people. And he, he I think he had a real skill at that. And I look at the faculty that came about in his time and the athletic program that emerged at that time, my goodness, they were quality people. And that's that's a lot of a lot to Ken's capability and farsightedness. And he was really good at bringing somebody along in in that sense. And Dr. Weller was great at connecting with and motivating people. Jan Freed says that she never missed an opportunity to hear him speak. People often feel that, you know, especially with men, that vulnerability is a weakness. And I've always said vulnerability is a strength because it really helps you connect with people. And I can remember just, I couldn't wait to hear Ken Weller speak. I couldn't wait to hear what he had to say. He just gave such moving talks. He just connected and you and you just could feel how much he cared. And in almost every talk he gave, he would get choked up. Many of the people I spoke with got choked up when sharing their memories of Dr. Weller, as you heard earlier from Coach Wares, but something both Dr. David Rowe and Coach Jeff McMartin said during our interviews reminded me of a quote from Dr. Seuss of all people, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. We all know that you know, the two things are for sure, death and taxes, and death is going to come. The thing is, is those of the communities that had him with them have been blessed with 96 years of Ken Weller. That's a, a great legacy. You know, yes, there's a hole, but 
you know, what he did well was he left a great legacy. You know, he touched a lot of people while he was the president here. He influenced a lot of people. He influenced the culture of a college. A lot of those influences are still here right now. And so, yeah, it's a big hole and it's a very sad thing to lose Dr. Weller. But I think that what we're left with are a lot of really, really great memories, a great example. And uh, many of the things that I feel like he saw as important and wanted to get done, I think that those things are still happening here at Central College and in the Pella community. As many others in the Pella and Central College communities have, I've lost a friend. Dr. Weller was our neighbor at the radio station, as he and Shirley lived above us for many years, and he'd stop down regularly to talk sports. He also made a point to visit our radio booth before home football games at Ron and Joyce Skipper Stadium to get my take on that day's matchup. And he was a fixture behind home plate at Dutch softball games where I saw him often. I'm not crying because it's over. I'm smiling because it happened. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Dutch Memories Podcast. We'll have a new episode every month featuring a player, coach, game, team, or moment in Central College's storied athletic history. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify so you never miss an episode, or just check the podcast section at KNIAKRLS.com. Dutch Memories is a KNIAKRLS production. I'm Trevor Castle, and go Dutch.